Mics are working, so welcome to a new episode of True North Nerds! Yay! So this week we have Kevin. Hello. We have Ryan. That's me. And we have Snowhawk Cosplay filling in for Jen. Hi. I squirrel feel, girl, squirrel girl, squirrel girl. <laughs> I feel that we should like have like the littlest hobo theme underneath you because of the amount of Hard road time ahead. that you're doing. You want to get stabbed? <laughs> Are you looking to get stabbed? Maybe tomorrow. Oh. Do I have to settle get down? Out now? What's wrong with the Lilith's elbow? It makes him sad. I don't want to talk about it on this podcast. <laughs> well, we may end up talking about it because it's Canadian television and this Yay. show is releasing on Canada Day. Huzzah! So uh, we are going to be discussing Canadian entertainers and Canadian stuff. But before that, as we always do, the news. Ryan, what have the you got for news. us this week? Uh, so just today I saw a, tra- a new trailer for the uh, Teen Titans Go vs. Teen Titans cartoon. I watched that trailer. It looks fun. I haven't watched it yet. I They're was like first. us, but cooler. <laughs> the, the serious us. Their Robin is so hot. <laughs> yeah. I could have sworn, didn't they do that in an episode of the show, though? Well, they had they did they had them pretending to be the the oh, serious okay. people. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking, thinking of. Well, then it was, uh, goes back to that, and I guess it was after credits thing from the movie, right? Where they showed this, they teased this movie, and so I guess it's a straight to DVD movie. Yeah, oh, that's so cool. Didn't have a release date, but uh, it looks like it'll be fun. There's even a shot where they kind of do like your you know, your whole like Avengers assemble. Like and you see other versions than just these two versions oh, of the really? Teen Titans, oh, cool. kind of in the background. So like you see like the the newer uh, Warner Brothers like DC cartoon versions of uh, like Beast Boy and Cyborg off in the distance, and so yeah, it should be fun. Uh, speaking of Avengers, uh, so we, it's coming back to theaters with more extra footage yeah, tagged yeah. onto the end of it. Well, I guess it deleted scene. Well, even the deleted scene they said is is after the credits. Oh, so it's, it's not, not even in, in it's a, not a director's cut. No. It's just everything you know, it's like now there's something it's after the, the credits. Uh, it's the Here's the Blu-ray bonuses that are uh, going to be coming out. No, in a it's month. the uh let's give it one more last push to get over that Avatar yeah. record. And I just want Avatar to re-release as a 10th anniversary edition in theaters, back in theater. (laughs) Jim Cameron's got enough of an ego that I would not be surprised if that kind of happens. But it would be his choice to re-release it? Because now it's a Disney-owned property. Uh, Depends on what the initial deal with Fox says about Mm. the movie. Who decides to put it back in theater? Mm. Because if Avatar hit screens again, I would go. 
I probably would see it again in 3D. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the other thing about that, too, is that wouldn't be a bad idea because it's been how long since Avatar came ten, out? Ten years. So it'd be it's the 10th anniversary, so it yeah. lines up perfectly. It has a good number ring to it, and with the new movie coming out, it's a good way of reminding people of what this universe actually is. And yeah. I think it's still, like visually, it's it's a movie that could stand up. It would still hold up. And it would look good on in the big 3D. screen. Yeah. Um, you know, just going back... Even just watching uh, Age of Ultron today, there's a couple little things that just mm. it looks old yeah. compared to Endgame, and even just well, Black Widow. Because remember when Scarlett Johansson was pregnant at the time, yeah, and, and the green screen, and there's one spot where she's walking with Cap, and she's walking funny, and then I looked, and her belt just sort of went the the oh, shift way, oh. so. <laughs> You know, the baby kicked. Yeah, so it's something I never caught before. But I think I, I know a lot of people are crapping on Avatar right now, and they want Endgame to beat Avatar. Avatar was still a movie I liked. I really enjoyed. I never saw it in theater. It was the first Blu-ray I bought. Oh, so you didn't get to see it in theater? No, so that was the yeah. first 3D so movie I, I saw to in watch theater. it since because it yeah. was so immersive in 3D that oh, it's yeah. And that's back when they had like the 3D was more 3D than it yeah. is now. No, I. That was I never saw it in theater, um, so it was Blu-ray. It was the very first Blu-ray I bought. I bought it on Blu-ray a year before I bought a Blu-ray player. Oh, nice! Because at the time it was like, well, you could buy the Blu-ray and DVD combo, so yeah. I did. Oh, yeah, because yeah. <clears throat> I'm like, well, I'll get a Blu-ray someday. I had got the um, extended cut on the two-disc DVD. And watched it before. How much I got the longer does that make the movie? Because it's not a short movie to begin with. Um, it's yeah, it's almost like three and a half or almost four hours. Oof. So that added Oof. at least a half an hour to twenty yeah. minutes. Yeah. So I would like to see it come back to theaters. I don't care if it ends up beating Endgame. Like to me, <laughs> I have those. Part of me, that game, like so. all those metrics are are weird and subjective, anyways. Yeah. Like it, it, it's I, I read about it. Like Gone with the Wind is still the the all time champ. Yeah, and but other things like I watched this thing on uh, eighty nine Batman the other day. Is even though the Dark Knight has made more money than eighty nine Batman ever did. 89 Batman sold more movie tickets. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, there's all those sorts of weird little metrics that you can look at that are different, right? Yeah, because 89 Batman was $414 million or something like that. Yeah. When tickets were $6. Yes. Yeah. And Man. I still didn't get to see it. I stood in line at midnight to watch Batman 89 in my Batman t-shirt. I was cool. My parents you keep thinking that, that, Kevin. Cool-ish. <laughs> But not as cool as the next year when I bought the T-shirt that you had to buy to see the Dick, Dick Tracy, Tracy Midnight Screening. <sighs> okay, so from that little side ramble, what's next, Ryan? <laughs> uh, okay, so Michael Rosenbaum, who was Lex Luthor in Smallville. Yes. Uh, who was also Wally West, the Flash, in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, mm -hmm. has joined the call to uh, get a reunion of Justice League Unlimited. Have you ever watched the Talking Tunes videos that Rob Paulson puts out on YouTube? No. Uh, I've there, seen a couple bits and pieces. There's one with the entire cast of Justice League. Oh, okay. And they're all down to, to bring that show back. The whole cast is. Of course, I'd be down to bring it back, yeah. too. It's a paycheck. Yeah, voice actors kind of get the shaft a little bit in terms of money 
You know, it's sometimes it's surprising to see voice actors um, in the flesh. Like uh, the the woman who played Hot Girl was the mom on Wizards of Waverly Place. Yeah, I had no idea because they're so very different kinds of characters, right? But, well, and what was the one that threw me off recently? Oh, um, the woman who plays, uh, what's her name? The Mandalorian girl in Rebels. Sabine? Uh, Sabine. She's on The Good Place, or at least like the first season. Oh. She's the, she's, she? um, she's one of the, she's one of the devils running the place. Right, right, yeah, right? I know the place. I know the, I think I know the character you're talking about. Yeah, but the minute you find out about it, you can come automatically hear the voice in it, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, that's why. So, it, this reunion, is it something they just all want to do? Oh, yeah, it was, or? It's, it's fans, it's the actors, it's everybody's yeah. kind of like, hey. Well, if Warner Animation is bringing back Animaniacs this year, why not Justice League? Yeah. I don't know why they weren't used for the voices of the the straight the DVD movies. Not that that voice cast is bad, but there was I don't see why they had to differentiate them. You know what I mean? It depends uh, what the director wanted, I guess, or who maybe who was available when they were doing yeah. them. And yeah. you know, DC Universe is going to need more content eventually. If it if it's still if it's still if it's still a thing if it doesn't get squashed and three just to six months up by into whatever AT and T Warner Brothers thing comes out yeah but even then they'll still be looking for content yeah yeah, yeah. I think yeah and I mean the, there is no team DC animated show right now right like I don't even what except animated? for Young Justice oh yeah Young Justice of course yeah. which has been awesome which and new episodes start, start on week. the seventh yeah here in Canada sweet. Uh, I think it might even be the first or the second. I think it might even be this weekend in if you have the app in the states. But uh, airing on Teletoon it's, is the it's like the seventh. It's because uh, I get notifications on my TV app. Okay, that I use to track what I watch and what I should watch. And Young Justice is listed as upcoming, and it starts as of the time of this recording in uh, on Tuesday. Which is the second. Yeah, but that's in the States. In the States. The same day as Amazing Race Canada. There you go. Next. Uh, next. Ooh, Dan Slott is giving his casting ideas on Twitter for uh, Marvel Universe uh, characters. He says that uh, Keanu Reeves, that everybody's in love with right now, uh, should be Moon Knight. Well, let's put a little bit of background on that. It it is official that they have talked to Keanu Reeves. Well, they've talked to Keanu Reeves, but multiple times about multiple characters I'm, and trying to find the right spot to have him. In yeah, a movie. I'm sure that, but I don't. I don't think he's alone. He, it's just he happens to be kind of a hot commodity. That's why they're throwing that name out there right now. Oh, yeah, no, but yeah, he's in his boyfriend right now. Like yeah. right now, he's the, the it guy. He's going to be in that. Uh, he showed up at E3. He's going to be in that Cyberpunk Punk 20 game, whatever game. But he was also in that uh, that Netflix movie, the uh, Always Be My Be- My Maybe, and as himself. Yeah, and or characterization he was. In, of himself. He had John Wick three, which did really well, and he's in Toy Story four, yeah. and, oh. and he's just a nice guy. Or his movie that came out last summer that bombed went straight to video and nobody remembers. Which movie's that? The Replicants movie. Yeah, don't remember it. You but were he's on a roll that. right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's one of those guys who does stuff like that every once in a while, yeah. or he'll he'll do an art house film that 
he really shouldn't do. No, and we're getting <laughs> he's working on a Bill and Ted sequel. So. Yep. But yeah, so Dan Slott thinks he would be a good Moon Knight. I agree, especially like the 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 Mister Knight persona version of it, and the the white suit and the mask. I, I think that would work well, but. Uh, and then his other casting idea is, uh, so K.J. Appa, that's Archie from Riverdale, okay. should play uh, the Human Torch. Yeah, I could see it. It really depends on how old or young they skew Fantastic Four in the next iteration. Exactly, yeah. No, I don't know, when we were talking earlier, we were all still on board with uh, the other original rumor. John Krasinski. Yeah, that, that one still sounds good. John Krasinski is Reed, Emily Blunt as as Sue Storm. I'm I'm down with that one. Yeah, I'm still. I would be down with having the original cast from the original movies come back. Yeah, Chris Evans would be the hard one though, because I don't see him coming back. And I think he's too old to play John for, Storm. Yeah, but Michael Chiklis says the thing, like especially with the amount that effects have gone and motion capture has gone forward now, he could easily still I, do it. I yeah. would like to see someone younger play Johnny Storm so that you can do a Spider-Man Human Torch crossover. That's true. Yeah. Well, and I guess with Tom Holland being younger as Spider-Man in yeah. the high school thing, I think you could have Human Torch maybe be, a couple years older. Yeah. So maybe he's kind of like an older year college delinquent brother kind of yeah. figure. Make him 18. Yeah. He was always into, like, hot rods and girls. So if comments. you're making them 18, you can have an actor that's somewhere between 20 and 35. Yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> it works out okay. Like, the difference with the movies that came out, you know, the first Fantastic Four movies where Johnny was a pilot. Ver- yeah. And, you know, you don't have to do that. You could have it as the original comic where it was just... Sue's kid brother tagging along on the I mission. wouldn't be surprised to see Fantastic Four show up as a Disney Plus series before it became a movie. You think so? Eh, I don't know. They, he nods they, his head. Yeah. They, they seem so the, to have really high hopes for that property as like a film thing. Fantastic Four? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they're putting it ahead of X-Men. And it's well, like, that makes that's sense a, to me, too. I think they need well. to give... You've heard our Dark Phoenix review. Fantastic Four has had several years since the last movie came out. X-Men needs to sit on the shelf for a little while. Yeah, it needs to go away for a little bit. Next, Ryan. Uh, So DC has retired the Vertigo brand. Yeah. And they're combining all their imprints to come under a single banner of DC, and it's going to be split into DC Kids, DC, and DC Black Label. That's where you get to see Batman's penis. That, if you bought that first one that came out, and that's not now going the for hundreds of dollars. Or, or the Comixology version. Yeah. Or um, the trade or any of that. Because then they, they blurred it back out. It kind of makes sense from a corporate point of view. What, but, to see Batman's penis? No. Yes. Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> saying that just reminds me of when Pete got the call from the guy who directed the... Uh, Batman 66 porno at the comic book store. <laughs> it was like, I don't know. No, we can't carry your porn in our store. <laughs> but um, from a corporate point of view, it makes sense to have them all under the DC banner. But at the same time, it's it's a little sad to see Vertigo kind of and go you, out with a whimper at you, this point. I feel like I know what I'm going to get when I buy a Vertigo comic. And I don't know what I'm going to get when I buy a DC Black Label book. 
Like, are, are there any? But you're an old timey comic reader who's been around for a while. This is yeah. branding yeah. aimed at new and people, right? And are there right? any ongoing Vertigo books at the moment? I is don't. American right. Vampire still being published? No, uh, no, it's been on hiatus because they've got Scott Snyder writing all things Batman. Mm. Um, but Petra's being extra squeaky due to a lack of gin. Um, <laughs> the uh, it is coming back though because that was part of the announcement of this: is American Vampire is going to be under the the black label right bit. Um, but if American Vampire comes back under DC Black. It's still going to have readers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, oh, and there's, there's the, the dreaming books and things like that. Oh, yeah. That, well, those are just relaunched from like a year or year and yeah. a half ago kind of thing. It's one of those things that, like, I don't blame them, but it's kind of, it's a little bit on the sad sort of note. Because, like, when I started rereading comics again, uh, like, after a break from sort of childhood into uh, teenage years... It was what got me back into it was weirdly Rob Liefeld's X Force and Neil Gaiman's Sandman and all those pouches you just yeah, couldn't resist yeah. them. And the uh, and Neil Gaiman Sandman was like the the rabbit hole into Vertigo. Like yeah. it was oh, after sure. that is books of magic, preacher, Doom you know. Patrol, um, yeah, uh, the Invisibles, and yeah, the first books that Hellblazer. I read Vertigo were, were Doom Patrol and Animal Man. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, and then Fables. I mean, I loved Fables. Fables is probably the last solid selling book that uh, they American had. Vampire. I guess, yeah, but that it, American Vampire has also been like it, it comes in a ghost. Like, I guess it's yeah. an ongoing series, but uh, it's more like a series of mini series. Yeah. I mean, Why the Last Man, DMZ. Oh, I always forget about Why the Last Man. But Lucifer, Hundred Bullets, you know, Preacher. These yeah. are all like pretty iconic Vertigo titles, and a bunch of them have television series right now. Mm. But so. if they put them all into DC Black, there's anybody who's yeah, it doesn't interested mean, is still going to find them. Yeah, I guess. It's, a, like, it's not like, like they're going to put them in a big pile and set them on fire. Or erase them from the world. Yeah, yeah there's a couple Vertigo books that could have done. Oh, there were some terrible ones, too, yeah. but... No, and I think by putting it in something like calling it black label, then it makes it sound okay. Well, you know, a parent coming off the street that sees this mm. is going to maybe maybe think twice or ask at least when they just see it's oh it's Vertigo. It just think, needs, oh, that's like Marvel or DC. It or, needs like a uniform trade dress, but beyond that, yeah. But you know, it's it'll be it'll be kind of Vertigo with adult superhero stuff. And it's just going to be game. whatever they feel is a more mature title. Yes. Like that, well, there's that new Superman that we picked up recently. That's a black label. Which, first issue wasn't, could have been regular. Yeah. Maybe Which they're I just worried wonder, that Miller's going to go off the rails. And well, I wonder if maybe the black label will also be the home to your, like, Elseworlds stuff. Yeah. yeah I, could, I could definitely well, see I'm that. I'm just looking at the black label article on wikipedia and they're re- they're re-releasing or they have re-released a bunch of stuff under the black label yeah title. like all-star superman is now a black label book new frontier kingdom come uh, uh, so Frank maybe that's ronin these are all books everything out of main continuity that they're, yeah, yeah. They're pretty much releasing that's, as, yeah. ronin's been one of those books that is bounced across like three or four different imprints over the years like it, it was a dc book it's been i think it's been published as a vertigo book um, I want to say it was a Helix book when they they print, reprinted that oh, as yeah. a trade once, Helix. which 
which was uh, DC's uh, sci-fi, sci-fi line. Yeah. That the only thing that came out of it was Transmetropolitan. Like the uh, the only book that survived that wave was that was it, and it lasted for quite a oh, long. Oh, you know time. what else was a uh, Vertigo book for a while was Astro City. Yeah, briefly. Because they didn't, and again, didn't know where to put it, yeah. and that was, and with the black label philosophy, it sort of fits in there yeah, fairly I guess well. So. so, well, we'll see what happens, but yep. I'm kind of sad. And they just brought Vertigo back last year. Yeah, the, well, gave, just gave it like a good solid push, and I guess it didn't um, do well. They can wait another five, ten years, and all of a sudden, yeah, and like, it'll be Vertigo will come back. back again. You know, a lot of Vertigo was all down to their editor in chief, too, right? Yeah, who is no longer working there. No, so. Has her own line of books at uh, Dark Horse, which she was kind of quick to, to point out oh, on Twitter. She... Yeah, uh, Burger Books, which doesn't sound like a comic book line and sounds more like a like line of cookbooks. Book. Yeah. Next, Ryan. Uh, next, okay, Disney has given us the title for the Kingsman prequel. It's going to be The King's Man. K. Sure. An origin. <laughs> I'm going to see it. Like, oh, yeah. it doesn't matter how stupid the title is, no. or is not. it going to be the origin of uh, Colin Firth's character? No, it sounds like it's the origin of of the Kingsman of the Kingsman organization. Order. Yeah, oh. like, so, so it could it be going to take place in the '60s or. I forget the, the have one. Have they ever oh, mentioned I was thinking it was going to be set like with the Henry VIII or something? Well, there's a. Um, uh, there is a little write-up somewhere that said some name dropped some world villains uh, getting together, and there, there's the need for this, you know, non-governmental spy, you know, agency, and it's just one person trying to start this up or put it together. I read this out the other day, but because well, the Kingsman has been set up for a long time in the <clears throat> in the movie universe post World yeah. War Two. Yeah, so. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm I'm interested in it. The the other two movies have been so good. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm... It, it, the the label of it, it. It's one of those movies that will kind of go sight unseen. Well, and if you can come out with a King's Man movie, There's then it leaves Tarantino the official to do other things. Yeah, which they're they're already planning. They've got a third film kind of in the works. Yeah. yeah. So but Yeah, so there you go. The official synopsis is right there. A collection of history's worst tyrants and criminal masterminds gather to plot a war to wipe out millions, and one man must stop them. The film's cast includes Matthew Good, Stanley Tucci, Gemma Arterton, Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, playing Lee Unwin, father of Eggsy. Hmm. Uh, Stanley Tucci, did I say that? I always forget he's English. He was the guy who played Kick-Ass. He was also Quicksilver. Yeah. Oh, I guess that that is two Mark Millar comics turned into movies that he's going to be in. Because yeah. he so if he's playing out. Eggsy's father, then well, then, then it's the not original probably. original stuff. Then yeah, yeah, it's not too far. It back. says Matthew Vaughn's prequel. This is on AV Club. Is set in the 1900s. So that means it's set sometime in the 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> the 1900s. So if, so long if, ago. But if He's playing Eggsy's father, then unless it's a later scene or something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, that could, who knows what that could mean? Yeah. It could be a, it could be it could him getting recruited. into like it could be five minutes at the beginning of the movie and like, what's the history of the Kingsman? Well, glad you asked. And then it goes into yeah. funny, much better written than what I just did. <laughs> funny, you should ask. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's supposed to come out. Uh, 
in February 2020. Yes. Next. Uh, Oh, so some Marvel comic news. They have announced a one-shot called Alpha Flight True North. It's going to be three stories. Jim Zub is one of the writers on it, I believe. Mm -hmm. Jim Zub, Jed McKay, and Ed Bryson. So Yeah, because I think part of the catch is is it's all Canadian writers for a change. All Canadian Canadian writers and all Canadian artists. Oh, all the Canadian artists, too? Yes. Uh, Max Dunbar... Jabril Morissette fan and Scott Hepburn, and then covered by Nick Bradshaw. I think they're just testing the waters to see uh, when when they should make an Alpha Flight movie. <laughs> just after the I, Captain Canuck movie comes out. There you go. Yeah, it's not a Marvel universe. The brain confusion. They could make an Alpha Flight movie to introduce Wolverine into the Marvel universe. Yeah, or or it could be just like you say, sort of testing the waters for those characters. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily getting their own movie, but so they can. Well, they have feature supporting them characters. Disney Plus Marvel. series, mm. Alpha Flight. Alpha Flight, the Disney Plus, but only in Canada. They need Canadian yeah. content for yeah. Disney Plus. There you go. I'm sure we will hear all about it at Fan Expo because I, I I love Fan Expo and I am a Marvel fan, but Marvel tends to do that thing where Fan Expo rolls around and because San Diego is blown out all the news out of the water, is what do we got? Oh, uh, we're announcing another thing with Alpha Flight. Yeah, like even Hasbro last year, that was the thing was they they showed off the Weapon X Wolverine figure followed by Guardian. Yep, <laughs> so. Which we still haven't gotten the Guardian. What it's coming out in an upcoming wave, isn't it? Yep, it's uh, it's part of the, the, the for lack of a better term, the X Force wave. I think That's so. It, yes, mainly mutants. Yeah. I get the well, the build a figure. I get a cannonball is, uh, and a boom boom to go with my Liefeld cable. And it's uh, Windigo is the build a figure, isn't it? Yep. But yeah, and then we'll get that, or we'll get the DC doing their. Justice League Canada type announcements. Yeah. Like the they haven't done that for a while. Well, Mainly because the, the first one, everybody went, yeah, right. At least we got Booster Gold for a year. I think mm. he was technically Canadian. They oh. never came out. I don't think it ever even said it in the book that he was oh, Canadian. They did say it. At I think the, they said the it. They're like, oh, now. well, it's because they were saying, you know, yeah, they called it Justice League Canada. And they're like, oh, well, you know, saying all this. Or, but it was also Justice League International. The hmm. book was never called Justice League Canada either, was it? It was like Justice League. There was yeah. two, two covers. United? It was International, I think. Yeah. Well, maybe it was United. I think Justice League or United, something. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it might have been United for that one. Either way, they, there were covers that said Justice League Canada, mm-hmm. and then there were covers. Wasn't the wasn't title. Lemire writing the book at the yeah, time? I think yeah. So. yeah, he created that um, the, the that uh, native native girl. Yeah, who is never seen again. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh! So we got a little bit of news out of E three that we didn't cover last time. Okay, because we got you know we got the Halo announcement. We got the uh, an Avengers game. We got got to see the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. were upset with the way the, the characters look. But they don't, uh, look, they don't I, look like the movie people. They don't sound no, like the movie see, people. See, that's not my problem, is that they just don't look... They don't look like even like the comic book Yeah, the, not even that. They just don't look particularly good. <laughs> the, the meme that I've seen the best of is... <laughs> which really makes me feel it is like you've seen variations of it. One's like the movie cast and one's like the comic book and then it's followed by the screenshot and like going to space balls of you fools you caught their stunt doubles because that's what they kind of look like they don't particularly like they're the kind of like the characters but not 
you know, you can fudge them. The one I saw that I liked was it shows a picture of uh, the cap of Captain America, and then you see a picture of Batman. And then it's like the difference between Captain America and Batman. It's like I don't wear hockey pads. It's like, yeah, it's a. I'll, we'll see when it comes out. Hey, if the game's good, I'll play it. Yeah, but uh, it, that, that trailer did nothing for me. Well, and it was like, no gameplay like, and yeah. stuff. And it was just cutscenes. All cinematic. And, yeah. Yep. Uh oh, and so there was a big countdown on the internet for Marvel over the last for the Spider-Man mm-hmm. related stuff and you know people were speculating oh are we getting a comic that's like the sequel to the original Sam Raimi movies and then oh are <laughs> not getting, quite are we getting something to do with one more day and it's like oh nope we're getting a new book written by J.J. Abrams and Son no and that's for- not Son that's Lens Flare nice I don't know why I find it weird. Okay, so a little bit of a sidebar. So J.J. Abrams' son is named Henry. J.J. Abrams wrote regarding Henry. I don't know why. I just find that's an odd name for your son. When it's it isn't it a movie about Harrison Ford getting shot and losing his memories. Yeah, and he it, was an asshole, and then he wakes know. up being a good guy. But never even heard of the movie before. Oh, really? J.J. Yeah. Abrams got his career from that. Movie. Yeah, he, he did. That's true. Yeah. He, he sold it while he was yeah. still in college. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good thing he didn't write a Charmin commercial, or it would have been Charmin. <laughs> yeah. Charmin Abrams. Yeah, actually, that doesn't sound too bad. It sounds like a stripper name. <laughs> Maybe that's what his daughter's name is. So, anyways, the, yep. There's there, been a lot of backlash from cr- creators about that. Some creators, uh, and I kind of get where they're coming from, yeah. but at the same time, uh, I had a, a conversation with somebody who was like, oh, they they get to the front of the line. I'm like, yeah, but the good ones will stick around, and the crappy ones end up washing out. Well, exactly. You it's know? Like, okay, this guy has got his foot in the door. Okay, kid, you're here. Prove it. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot more expectation Take on his part. Take a look at, at like yeah. uh, Joe Hill, right? He's, yeah, um, Stephen King's son, and he, he's. I mean, now, granted, he was writing his own stuff from the beginning. He yeah, handed, and he, he went under a flagship character. No, and he also like went under a different name for the Hill is not his real last name, obviously. Right. And, well, and it's not like he's going to be writing. Like, it's not like. Abrams is going to be writing Spider-Man, like not like writing Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, like he's writing an offshoot. Like oh, it's a, a yeah. spin-off book. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a spin-off it's Spider-Man. Book. It's one of those books. It's not the main title, and it's still you know there's you still have you know experience. It's Peter Parker. Yeah, it's still Peter Parker Spider-Man. And to the kid's credit, or the publicist's credit, who was coaching them, whichever one it was, he acknowledges that, like, you know, he got a really good privilege getting this far into the door on his first go. Like, he know, like he is aware that his name got him this far. Yeah. But now he's got to prove himself uh-huh. on it. And there's still, you know, there's experienced artists on the book. Yeah. Uh, you still got you know, an experienced editorial team. So there's people there to make sure that... And on top of it, though, is if any of the other creators are upset about it, it gets talk about the industry yeah. of an yeah. industry that doesn't talk about comics. Besides, like, I mean, mainstream. Yeah, no, no. The, so yeah, this was J.J. In... J. Abrams is attached to a comic book. It gets places like Entertainment Tonight right. talking about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
don't which know if they have pe- yet, but yeah. but a little bit but something higher like profile. that, which gets more people talking about comics, which maybe gets people into the comic book store. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe somebody buys your. And comic. if he sucks, he'll wash out after a little while. Like, yeah. it, oh, what's the Ron Zimmerman? Was that his name? He was he was a writer for Howard Stern's radio show for quite a while, and it was it was in the that period where after Kevin Smith came in. Marvel would just sort of let any kind of famous person person write books, and this guy, like he's he's since written some TV and stuff that's good, but his comics were shit. And there's a reason why one, you guys are all kind of giving me the blank look, and two, none of us remember any of the stuff he did. Nope. The the one thing I remember is because it was the title was in my head was he did get Craven. Which was a mini series about Craven's son in Hollywood oh. that ripped off Get Shorty, but oh, Get Shorty. but was more be cool than Get Shorty, as in not very good. Uh. Anything else there, Ryan? Uh, just one more. Uh, so just out today, there was a little video online. Um, when you will see the video, you see the the the, the firehouse, the Ghostbuster, the iconic Ghostbuster firehouse. Mm-hmm. In New York. Well, it's just outside of New York. Uh, with people taking you know videos and photos of it, and hear a voice talking about how all these people come out here and do this every day, and it's, uh, and then eventually you know the person steps in the frame, and it's Paul Rudd, and he announced that he is going to be in the new Ghostbuster movie, and they've given it a title, and now it's going to be called Ghostbusters Twenty Twenty. Okay, yeah, I like Paul Rudd. Yeah, and I I love Ghostbusters. Who I'm knows see exactly this movie who is, his role? Like, I, I did read something about maybe he's going to be a teacher. So he might, you know, have nothing to do with being a Ghostbuster. Like he, he's going to be the, the teacher for the kids that are being cast in this and probably be like, oh, I don't believe in ghosts. So he sees a ghost. Yeah. He gets slimed. I part still want Holtzman in the movie. <laughs> part of me hopes So open a portal is, into his classroom. No, like, I just want Holtzman. No portals, that, just Holtzman shows up. This is all a big swerve, and it's not actually a Ghostbusters movie, but it's about a kid who really likes Ghostbusters. <laughs> like, because that would fit more within uh, what's his name, Reitman, the, the son. It's not Ivan directing. Jason. It. Jason. It would that would fit in more with his film career than an actual Ghostbusters movie would. And I and I would just love to see the like that. That's where the internet burns down for two days. <laughs> just watching Twitter, and just be people be stupid. <laughs> Well, but the way I looked at it, this, this movie, if they don't do something good with this movie, it's going to hurt the Ghostbuster brand. And oh, you might as well yeah. just put stop trying to make Ghostbuster movies for a while mm. and let it have like 10 years or something like that before you try again. Because, yeah, or do make something a sequel different. to 2016. Well, or do that. It's that. not going to happen. But then, yeah. as much as we all enjoyed that movie, it, it's not getting a sequel. But. Uh, Okay. Anybody else Disney got Plus any other I've news? got a couple little things. Um, a couple of little things from the Star Trek front. Um, Michael Shabon has just been named the Star Trek Picard showrunner. I thought wasn't that already? He was like he was on the writing team, but it's officially uh, announced that he's. Who is he again? He, he wrote a book called Cavalier and Clay, which yeah, is really which good, won and the Pulitzer. And wrote uh, the book that became the movie Wonder Boys with Michael Douglas. Okay. And he wrote the short trek last year about Calypso, called Calypso about the discovery a thousand years in the future. Oh, okay. He, wrote that. he has been trying to write a comic book movie for quite a while. He, it, like he's always, I think he's gotten credits. 
because he worked on the second Spider Sam Raimi Spider Man movie. That like most of his version, I don't think ended up in the actual film, but oh, okay. enough that he got a credit for it, and it's uh, yeah, it's, yeah, good. Uh, well. We had known previously that there were going to be two Star Trek short treks mm-hmm. uh, this year, the two animated ones. It's come out since that there are actually going to be six oh, nice. between now and the new season of Discovery. Um, four of them are live action, two of which got leaked thanks to the director, uh, will feature Rebecca Romaine and Ethan Peck Yay! as number one and Spock. Um, the episode's called Chaos Theory. And as you can see, if you if you do a quick image search online, uh, it was filmed in Toronto on May thirtieth of, of this year. So, so there, that show is well underway. Yeah. So they are working on season three of Discovery and the short treks uh, in between. Uh, the other little news thing that I didn't mention to Ryan before we started uh, came to me in a very strange kind of way. Uh, this is, so as you guys there know, there's a flash in the sky. Well, not really, uh, but Birds you know I do I do community theater. Yes, and I'm on the play reading committee for one of the local theater companies, and we got an email sent to us uh, from uh, Samuel French, which is the company that one of the companies yep. that licensed plays about a new series called Marvel Spotlight. And there is now a series of Marvel stage plays. They're written for high school students. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So there are currently three titles. One is called Hammered, a Loki and Thor play. Uh, And the the synopsis is, as Thor struggles with the stress of final exams, his brother Loki finds himself under a different sort of pressure. Neither are beneath pranks in the endless competition for their parents' favor, but underneath all the thunder and mischief, these two princes of Asgard discover a bond that will last millennia. Okay. So Thor in high school. Yep, Thor in high school. Because Hammer suggests more Thor in college. Remember, though, that these plays are written for high high school school students students. to perform. One is called Mirror of Most Value, a Ms. Marvel play play uh, by Masi Asari. Uh, Kamala attempts to boost Ms. Marvel's fledgling superhero profile by writing her own fan fiction, but when building a fandom becomes an obsession, Kamala's schoolwork and relationships begin to suffer. To become the Jersey City hero of her dreams, Kamala must learn to accept herself just as she is, imperfections and all. What's the third one? The third what one is would be stuff. of great interest to our uh, to our compatriot who's not here. It's called Squirrel Girl Goes to College, a Squirrel Girl play <laughs> by Karen Zacharias. Doreen arrives at Empire State University to make new friends and protect them from supervillains by keeping her superhero identity a secret. But when a beloved computer science professor suddenly disappears, can Doreen trust her friends with her inner squirrel so she can save the day? I think that's the first story arc, <laughs> but, but cool. So yeah, so these are. Uh, I see little, little. I see little stuffed so squirrels. They come out with three plays uh-huh. for high school, uh-huh. and you wouldn't choose Spider-Man in there somewhere. I Too think much jumping so. around. I don't know. I don't How know. do you? They all have their technical. Thor, I think, would be the easiest one from a technical standpoint, like with a high school budget. Yeah. I don't know how you do. Ms. Marvel's powers in but a high school play. But the way that they would talk about the whole play, you never it's not necessarily really, have to show her using yeah, her powers, powers on stage right. at all. Yeah, in any of these well, stories. depending on what the story is. With Squirrel Girl, you just have a bunch of like stuffed 
squirrels that you could puppets. I did. I'd be curious to read them. I wonder if there's any way to read them without uh, purchasing the rights to them, which to, I know uh, are. Yeah, yeah. The rights are seventy five dollars. Yeah, performance. I'm not spending seventy five dollars on a play that I'm not going to perform yet. <laughs> that could be a Patreon goal if we ever start a Patreon. So the um, the Squirrel Girl play has a cast of one male and three females. And yeah, fourteen of any gender. It's a forty five to fifty minute play, so it's a one act play. Uh, you can cut it for approved. Uh, cutting is approved for competition. Uh, let's see. And then there's just some pictures. Uh, yeah, it doesn't... Oh, That's all right. I can, oh, there's I, a squirrel chorus. And Dr. Doom is in the squirrel girl uh, play. That would be kind of awesome. Guy. And Modoc. Oh, oh man, <laughs> I would have been so over that in high school. I would have been pitching that to my drama teacher. Oh, so, I would know, love se- to be Moda. Se- 75 bucks, you buy the rights to it, and then it becomes True North Nerds, the radio play. <laughs> Maybe. I, I, I don't know if we, it would qualify in their performance rights. I might look into it, though. That does sound kind of awesome. So, yeah, so that's the Squirrel Girl one. Uh, let's see, the Ms. Marvel one, or the, the Thor one, has a cast of nine men and six, nine males, six females, five of any gender. Uh, let's especially something like this, like for example, the Squirrel Girl one, where you got Doctor Doom. There are more and more high school kids in cosplay and stuff, so they would jump right onto it where they could. Especially since it's not like most high school plays, or you end up with a lot of old people clothing because it's donated. Yeah, like you know, everybody looks like they're cast kind of out of at this point, probably late 80s early 90s so here's the cast for the thor play on earth there's a comic book ge- geek who may double as loki i love that it says male identifying uh jock an upper a high school upperclassman may double as thor and a yearbook editor uh a high school upperclassman may double as sif then in the cosmic void there's thor odinson who's the god of thunder nearing the end of his millennia long life may double as odin and uh, Atlee, Thor's youngest granddaughter, Elisiv, Thor's middle granddaughter, and Frigg, Thor's from eldest so Jason Aaron's yeah, run? Yeah, so it yeah. almost sounds like it's the... Because I guess they start calling themselves the, the Warriors 3. And so. then the Asgardians are uh, Thor, Loki, Freya, Odin, Fandral, Volstagg, Sif, Hogan. God, I would have loved to have played Volstagg in high school. Heimdall, Honier, Forest. Forcity and cool. So that's the Thor one. Huh. It almost sounds like it's Thor telling a story to his granddaughters. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Time period, contemporary, present day, new millennium, 21st century, and the future. Yeah. Well, if we do the Thor one, we'll definitely cast you as Thor. <laughs> and it was the, old man Thor. The yeah. Ms. Marvel one. Okay, uh, you can be Miss Marvel too. Let's see. Uh, I don't recognize any. Yeah, of but even just don't worry about if, it. You know, say your high school was going oh, to look into Captain Marvel, doing this. Iron Man, Black Widow, and Doctor Strange are in the are in the Ms. Marvel one. Oh jeez, is it Iron Man or Tony Stark though? Because uh, you can pull off Tony Stark pretty easy. It says Iron Man. Just says Iron Man, doubled yeah. by the actor playing Josh. Huh. So it's in the suit then. Because you know, if it's doubling, then you don't see his face. Yeah. Um, but you know, so if, if a local high school decided to do something like this, they'd be smart to reach out to their city's cosplay community because they might, you know, 
be all in to let either share costumes they've already made or, or at least to, to help to yeah, volunteer, volunteer make costumes for these plays to be. You yeah, know. Well, there's a lot of kids who've got more talent. Well, there's that too. Like, yeah, because mm. if you th- the kids who are getting into it now, like if you look at the journey, journey people cosplayers who've been at it for years, they had to develop a lot of the the techniques with foam and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Now a kid in high school can just go on YouTube and watch a tutorial. Yeah. yeah. Versus twenty years ago when people were making practical stuff or when they started using foam, they'd have to come up with the techniques and you know, like something like Warblood did not exist. No. And three D printing and yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think too that again, because Marvel's not part of Disney, Disney theatrical's been a big thing for almost twenty years now. Yeah. Uh, so why not It's not a bad idea. No. It it like it, and it's you, another it, it, like the cynical part of me is it's another revenue stream uh-huh. that probably didn't cost them too much to to put into no. right, and what what happens out of it? You get a bunch of kids who really like superheroes who maybe if they weren't by some miracle going to see Endgame before will sure as hell after right. that. You and know? the other it's, thing it's going to do is it's going to bring boys into your drama club. Yep, especially if you're going to do Thor and Loki. We we kind of had the opposite problem in our drama club. Really, more more guys than there was girls at certain periods. But yeah, we didn't have a drama club in my high school when I was in high school. So uh, I have a little bit of music nerd news just because of one quote that came out of it, and it goes to a good cause. So uh, Pink Floyd's uh, David Gilmore had an auction for a bunch of his guitars. He decided to separate his collection because he. He's not one of those superstitious guitars. They've made a couple. Fender's made a couple copies that he says are as good as the the original. So he's going to play those instead. And all the money to it went to basically fight uh, climate change. Okay. Over twenty one million dollars was raised from it. Nice. Now the thing that got me about this, and the reason why I'm mentioning it is uh the the winning like the the biggest one that sold was uh a guitar that uh Gilmore played on like pretty much every Pink Floyd record from Dark Side of the Moon to the Wall. Okay. Like the 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 awesome guitar solos in uh, Comfortably Numb was played on this guitar was bought by the uh the the Indianapolis Colts owner. And when asked why he would spend that kind of money on a guitar, he said, and I'm quoting here, I just fucking love Pink Floyd, man. I can't deny it. <laughs> so uh, apparently he does collect other rock memorabilia, but I just thought the quote was great. Well, <laughs> like, hey, you have the money to blow NFL on NFL team, he's got money. Might as well spend it on something that's you know something you want, and the money's going to charity. Nearly four million dollars yeah. on on it, which is probably pocket change to him. Say, but he makes that in a day. Todd McFarlane spent three million on a baseball. Yep. Was it on just the one? Was that the 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 yeah the, the Mark McGuire home run yeah. baseball? Where, so, where are those now? I don't think you'd want to admit that you have a Mark. Uh, yeah, well, I think he either he has them either on display at the at his office, or he may have loaned them to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Like yeah. they could be on display there. Yeah, I remember I, hearing at one point he was talking about it. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. But if you've got you know again, if you got the money and you up in love Pink Floyd, yep. then 
Oh, I, I, if I had the money, oh yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I, I don't even have the money for an auctioned off, like, strap to the guitar, let alone the guitar itself. Pay four million, get the guitar handed Pete Townsend, watch him smash it. There you go. Ooh, that'd be kind of awesome in some ways. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I just thought it was, like, it was kind of interesting because it, it, um, it blew away the records from uh, an auction, I want to say, last year uh, that Eric Clapton did, getting rid of his guitar library. Oh. I, it's, all, it's also, like, a little bit of housekeeping. Like, um, I hate to put it this way, but Gilmore is starting to get, well, he is older. He is in his 70s at this point. And, you know, the... the do you want it like and he even said it in an interview basically like i don't really want my loved ones having to go through like this warehouse of gear yeah to, to get rid of like sure the the money will come out of it but why not do it now and like just save them the hassle so here's a question on music geek stuff yeah what is the most iconic guitar in history D oh there's several answers to that. Um, I, I think it goes to personal preference, really. Um, historically, probably the first solid body uh, electric would be one of them. Nobody knows what that looks like unless you've gone to like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It, it's I think it's nicknamed the Log because that's what it looks like. because <laughs> they it, nobody in Les Paul's band believed he could make a solid body guitar. So he put on fake hollow body wings onto the side of it, and the solid body parts like the center, that uh, about like two or three inches across, kind of. So it looks like a big log when you take off the wings to it. Um, uh, one of Clapton's guitars. If we're talking about guitars in one piece, if you could, f- I don't know whatever happened to Hendrix's guitar that he lit on fire. I don't know if that mm. survived that, but that's. Iconic one. The the first two I think of is Paul McCartney's Hofner bass. Yeah, that that would and, definitely be uh, one. BB King's Lucille. Yeah, the, and there was multiple Lucilles kicking around. He was buried with one apparently. Yeah. Um, the the uh, what's his name? Um, the bass player for the Clash because uh, uh, the the cover of London Calling that one because yeah. that actually survived that. I think that's also in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan's. Uh, Number number one, the the uh, shit. It's named after his first ex-wife. I can't think of what it is off the top of my head, but uh, yeah. So we segue from <coughs> news music to Canada, the the home of True North nerds for the most part. <laughs> one uh, one of we us all live one, here. Yeah, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not for the most part. We all make our homes here. So um, work visa for the U.S. Yeah, yeah, but that's not your home. You you can go come and go as you please I can at come the and moment. Go as I please now. Uh, so Canadian entertainment's a little bit of an interesting thing, especially more of your our age, I think, than younger generations, because. You know, our our Canadian content was really heavily Canadian. Oh, when we were growing up, you mean? Yeah. yeah. And so, but now that's... You mean shows like The Littlest Hobo? Yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's a voice that keeps on calling me. <laughs> but <laughs> there's also, like, 
it's weird. In some ways, we've sort of returned to that, but just better. Oh, in Danger Bay. Oh, that was a good one. And Beachcombers. Beachcombers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Letterkenny's a, a completely yeah. Canadian show. Yeah. Well, after my visits to the States, usually when somebody finds out I'm Canadian, yeah. they look at me, it's like, so you know about Letterkenny, right? Yeah, we saw it before you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but, like, to the American person. it's I mean. amazing how much... Uh, letter Kenny carries. They, I'd yeah, say, probably who? the closest thing that was like that was Trailer Park, Trailer Park Boys. Boys? Uh, Red Green. Yeah. Um, Red Green was on PBS in the states. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, because I could see that because Red Green is more weirdly is Just more Canadian than Trailer Park Boys. Trailer yeah. Park Boys is kind of like Universal Trailer Park trash. Yeah, like yeah. it, like it, it more or less goes. Wherever you have a trailer park somewhere, it kind but of But even matches. Red Green, you could easily, like, if it, you didn't know it was Canadian, uh, a lot of it, you could just be, it's your handyman woodsy guy. Yeah, but I would say it's closer than Trailer Park Boys. Oh, yeah. Ways, yeah, and, and, well, plus talking about hockey and all that. Well, kind of yeah. Stuff. If you take, yeah, without that stuff. Whereas Letterkenny is kind of weirdly all the stereotypes, but done so well that, like, we as Canadians don't think of it as hokey. There you is I mean? there is another Canadian show that's getting a lot of buzz in the U.S. right now too, and that's Shit's Creek. Yes, Shit's Creek. It's I remember reading somewhere. I want to say it was USA Today was talking about like because it's in its last season, yep. isn't it? Seasons. Well, and Dan Levy got a award on MTV. Oh yeah, yeah. So like for him getting a, an award on the MTV Movie Awards. You know, so that's because it's yeah. on some minor cable channel in the states, pop something or other. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was on Hulu or something. No, Letterkenny's on Hulu. Yeah, Pop TV. I think it's yeah, on Pop TV. It, it was the home to uh, TNA Impact <laughs> for all. Oh. Basically, uh, I thought we would talk about some of our favorite Canadian entertainers because last time we talked about kind of more on the comic book side. Mm-hmm. Um, entertainer used that as to. What you qualify as entertainment, I guess. Um, anyone want to go first? Well, as the resident Star Trek geek on the panel, you got to start with with William Shatner. Yeah, he's a guy whose career, like, well, not career path, like outside career thing, has kind of like went weirdly. You know what I mean? I think, yeah. yeah, like it's like. He went like there was a period in I want to say the '90s where it was like fuck Shatner because all the uh, the rest of his castmates were writing books where they were calling him asshole. Right. Yeah. And now well, then it's he sort of like there he's softened up in his old age, and now he's just like a fun old guy that yeah. Well, well then he got uh, on the practice. Right. Was it the practice? Yeah. Boston that, Legal. Yeah, that Boston would be the which. Well, Boston Legal was like a spinoff of the practice, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. And and that sort of regained his cred, and uh, yeah, now he's like weird old dad. Well, as you're saying, he started playing into his character, like yeah. the character that people thought you know that he was, and now like if a lot of the times in the shows he's playing the same person, and it's almost what his public appearance is. Mm. You know, he waved at grumpy, me once. Sometimes grumpy, sometimes crazy. Off really where. Uh, fan expo. Oh, there you go. I, w- I was in a hallway where I w- don't think I was supposed to be. Like, I'd gotten <laughs> turned around, and he was coming out with the entourage, and I, like, <laughs> like looked at him and, like, caught his eye, and, like, 
just a small little wave and, and like gone. didn't stop though. No. Like just no. kept rolling. I will most likely go to his panel at Star Trek Las Vegas this summer just yeah. to say that I've seen him. So I I didn't know he's he's iconic, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he doesn't really he doesn't wave the maple leaf like some celebrities do, but uh, but he he's got a start in Montreal and then yep. a CBC Radio. He was uh, in the early seasons of Stratford. Uh, that's where he was discovered he did, when he, he did, did Twilight Zone, and he did plays with Christopher Plummer in yes. Stratford because that was I always remember they meant, kept mentioning that that. Uh, during the press tour for Star Trek Six, is like, oh, we've worked together before. Yeah. I think he did Stratford, then he went to New York to do some theater, mm. and that's when he got cast in Twilight Zone. He did two episodes of Twilight Zone, um, and he's really great in both of those. Like, I, I, one yeah. of them was the one with the, 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 the something on the, on the wing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and the other was uh, one where he and his uh, they, they were wind up in a town that they can't get out of. No, there, no, there was a fortune telling machine. Yeah. They could leave at any time, but the fortune telling machine kept. Uh, Kept him there by yeah, it was it was weird. It was it was a cool Twilight Zone episode, but yeah. So I I think I've mentioned this before. The show that like yeah he doesn't tout his Canadianness as much as maybe he used to or flag wave that much, but uh, I I've worked with Alan Cross quite a bit over mm-hmm. the years. Alan did a speaking tour with him. I want to say six years ago mm-hmm. across Canada, and uh, according to Alan, he's a great guy. But the minute they landed in Montreal, like they they took a private plane from whatever the last gig was to the Montreal gig, is they were greeted by Montreal smoked meat sandwiches. Like <laughs> he had had them pre ordered. They basically the minute they got off the plane, sandwich was where it was. Here, in the here's hand. your meat, Mister Shatner. That and I remember Alan telling me that they uh, they stayed up all night. I, I want to say in Alberta, somewhere out west. And they were drinking in the the hotel bar, and somebody had mead, and they were and basically uh, Alan figures that's why he had such a horrible hangover the next day, oh. and he, he, they get down and they meet to, to get the car to the wherever they're going next or whatever, and he, he, they look at each other and Shatner Shatner's like what's up he's like oh I, I'm feeling last night and Shatner looks at him and goes. Amateur. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, yeah, good pick. Well, I guess if you've drank Romulan ale, what's a little bit? Uh, favorite Shatner movie outside of Star Trek? Movie? Or movie? role? T.J. Hooker. T.J. Hooker? Number one. I knew you would say that. Um, I can't think of one because he's mostly a Star Trek guy. Yeah, no, no, very true. I have no idea. In this, I have like the season one and two of T.J. Hooker on DVD when it came out years ago. Now, like I think Mill Creek or Shout or something has, like that has like the, the whole thing complete for... series. But in the States, there is one channel every night. T.J. Hooker's on at 10 o'clock. Oh, so I've nice. Been, on DirecTV, I usually watch that because it's, I'm just, I want a T.J. Hooker reboot. Yeah, I'm kind but of surprised I, I want, it hasn't been mine for a, one. I want it as... I don't want it reboot. I want it as a sequel. I want his son <clears throat> to be like Tommy James or something. So like kind of like what they've done with the Shaft movies. Where yeah. they've made them all yeah. more fit together. Yep. Now. Um, I will pull out Free Enterprise, where he oh, plays a version of himself. That is a good one. It, it it's a It's kind of hidden away now. Like I remember, like it came out around the same time Mallrats and like Kevin Smith, and it has a similar vibe. 
It's basically Isn't, about um, Eric uh, Eric McCormick, McCormick is in also yeah. in it. It's the first time I remember seeing him in something. And basically, they're these screenwriters who want to try and get a movie off the ground and happen to meet William Shatner. And one of them's a Star Trek geek. And they try to talk him into their movie, but instead he talks them into trying to get off the ground a movie or a, it's been a while since I watched it, or a film version of um, Julie Caesar, uh, the William Shakespeare play. And it's just like it's Shatner as himself but over the top and he's like can't you see it William Shatner presents William Shakespeare's <laughs> Julius Caesar and he would be playing all the parts but like one and he's like I don't know like Cameron Diaz somebody, somebody young and hot <laughs> of, course, of course so you would be playing Julius Caesar and Brutus yep but that means you would have to stab yourself in the back. Oh, I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a fantastic film if you can find Don't it. Don't they meet him in a in a porn shop? It's something like that, or a bar, yeah, or something I, I like that. A, I, yeah. think it's a, I think it's an X-rated book. It, it was kind of really the start of him playing himself well, in things. Saying, so in that same you know tone, fanboys. Oh, when yeah. he plays himself and he gives them yeah. the, the plans to break into the, to, to the George Lucas ranch. Or his classic appearance on Saturday Night Live with the Get a Life sketch. I only, I, that's the only sketch I remember from that episode. Yeah. And even then, oh, I don't remember you, most of that his, sketch. His appearance on Just for Laughs. Did he do the same thing? He did the... Uh, the speech of I Am Canadian. Oh. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, Joe, like, Ca- Joe Canada one? Yeah. yeah. It was pretty good. Yep. Uh, you can probably find that one on YouTube still. Yeah. Probably. Okay, Ryan, you want to go next? Uh, um, I don't know. I had a hard time kind of narrowing this down. There are a few good ones. Well, yeah, they're, you know, they're trying to think of influential ones. and it's like, So, so John A. McDonald. No. no. Sorry, not one of my favorites. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Dan Aykroyd. Ah, One of the fathers of the Ghostbusters. Uh, Still lives here, too. Or still maintains a home in Canada. Isn't afraid to shill any of his products anytime he's being interviewed anywhere. This is true. I listened to to his last podcast. podcast, I haven't listened to it yet. And multiple times he talks about, well, you know, we can sit down and have a nice, cool, smooth glass of the Crystal Skull skull (laughs) Vodka. they had just won some vodka award in Russia, and so they're like, "Oh, well, you know, if your award, your vodka is winning awards in Russia, it must be good because Russians like their it's vodka." It's okay. Yeah, I've got a bottle. It's got an two. awesome bottle. Well, exactly. It was banned in Ontario for the longest time because it was a skull. Um, well, that's why he was calling it Crystal Head. <laughs> Crystal Head vodka on the podcast. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He never called it Crystal Skull Vodka. Sorry, yes. He always called it Crystal Head. Yes. It's filtered via diamonds or something, isn't it? Which doesn't... that That's not how filtering works. <laughs> but, hey. But, uh, you know, he's kind of crazy. He's into all kinds of uh, ghosts and aliens Yeah, but and that's that a stuff, family but, thing. Oh, yeah, Apparently no, his, it's like his grandfather was the first one. Yeah. And then, and like, I don't know he if he still is. mentions that in the podcast, too. His, his brother was like a paranormal Investi- like, oh, okay. investigator yeah. for like a number of years. Well, he did have an interesting point on the podcast um, where he said if it wasn't for Ghostbusters, which was, you know, something he wrote and something he's researched and looked into, 
He said nobody in the in the general public even ever heard of ectoplasm. Now everyone has. Exactly. Yeah. And he tied yep. it right to Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. So and you know the, he's also the guy behind the Blues Brothers. Well, exactly. You know, the Blues Brothers. He was on Saturday Night Live. He was. Just keep you know what are the you know all the other movies that over the years with other creating places other great Canadians yeah well, that's a great yeah too. I love watching places. So I was thinking of him and I was also thinking of John Candy. Yeah, it's a, I, I think he's about due for kind of like a renaissance. I think like like many actors, there are some suspect films in that canon, but like. You know, planes, trains, and automobiles. The older I get, the better that movie gets. Mm. Well, that was almost it the other day. Yeah, yeah, during my travel. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah. So those were my kind of picks that I was thinking of while we were going over this idea. I I love Ackroyd from early Saturday Night Live. Yeah, somatic. <laughs> you catch the bats. <laughs> and him as um, as Julia Child. I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh, one. where he cuts his Ooh. thumb and the blood. Oh, it's getting locked into the blood. It's spurting everywhere. That's pretty funny. Frank Garvin, male prostitute. Yeah, what's the one where he's the he's uh, he's talking about classical art? You got your Titian. This uh, <laughs> this painting is by Titian. And also the wall, the wild and crazy guys. The wild and crazy guys. The, uh, yeah, I always liked the. The the and company the, spokesperson guy that you yep. play with, especially with the the toy and toys and the Halloween. Ba- Johnny Johnny bag of glass. <laughs> <laughs> we also have bag of sulfuric acid. <laughs> we are from France. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's but uh, yeah, both good picks. I, I can go and go with both of those. Now for a special guest star, Ed Snowhawk cosplay. Who do well, you have lined up? Well, the first thing I could think of when you said Canadian entertainers and growing up, the two biggest things that had influence on me were... Lilith Hobo. And Mr. Dressup. Uh, stab you in the face with a bag of glass. <laughs> um, SCTV. Oh. Which, when you look at the cast, the Canadians on the cast, mm. uh, John Candy, yep. Eugene Levy... Uh, Rick Moranis, Rick Moranis, uh, Martin Thomas, Short, Catherine O'Hara, Martin Short. I didn't look up Andrea Martin. She Seymour. is not Canadian. Yeah, and, oh, and neither is Joe Flaherty. They're like, yeah. like they're the two weird ones who. And Harold Ramis was born in Chicago. Yeah, so those they, are the three. They came are, out of Second City, Chicago, and I don't know so much about Joe Flaherty, but. It, Andrea Martin just like transplanted here, and I think she, Joe I mean, Flaherty she, did for many she years. She hit too. it big here, so she really so, never left. Yeah. So SCTV, and well, like you know, you touch on John Candy. Well, John Candy wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for SCTV. Oh, yeah. Eugene Levy wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for SCTV. Um, you know, in the eighties, Martin Short was huge. Mm. When we're you know, when you're looking at Three Amigos and Inner Space and. And then you have your your pure lucks in there, like pure luck or Clifford or some of his dogs. But I, I really keep hoping somebody will re-release SCTV on DVD or Blu-ray. Like somebody like Mill Creek, yeah, put out like a whole set of the entire thing it's, that I can get. Used copies are so impossible to find. I found 
part I think it's like part one of season one at Value Village not too long ago and I hemmed and hawed about it. I'm like, I never see these, but I want the whole thing. I don't want just I found uh part one of SCTV ninety. So that was because they released a bunch of different series of yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Because it was the SCTV ninety was the the clips that they put together mm. for the 90-minute show that used to follow after oh, Saturday Oh, okay, so gotcha. It was a little bit of this and a little bit of, like, some of the stuff from season one and some of the stuff with Bob and Doug. And, and it was, again, it was like, no, I want a chronological order. I want it from day one all the way through. Especially, though, the after the first season when they start doing storylines about the station itself yep, where it yeah. isn't just used as the the device to do different skits about yeah. stuff right and i used to watch well city tv back when i was a kid it was like 6 30 or seven o'clock every night SCTV used to be on yeah and it was on up until the point that you know star trek next generation pretty much kicked SCTV off of city tv and then when it had its resurgence in the early days of comedy comedy channel yeah um and then the other one that was a huge influence was uh kids in the hall oh yeah. kids in the hall is good pick yeah so like to me as far as canadian entertainment those are the two that are the biggest on on me because like i just like growing up it was sctv like all the jokes on there that and everything that stemmed from it too as you said with with john candy you I can't think of too many dogs in John Candy's movie career. There is one. Who is Harry Crumb was horrible when it came out. I got the special edition DVD, yeah. and that movie stands up. It's funny. I, I don't think I've seen it since I was a kid. I liked it when I was a kid. But. They Wagon, Wagon's East? Wagon's yeah, East? Yeah, he's only in half of that. Well, he's not, yeah, you kind of have to forgive movie. because, well... I've never seen that movie because that's the one he died Yeah. Um, but you get Canadian Bacon, how good Canadian oh, so Bacon good. was. Summer Rental. Uh, Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. Great Uncle, Outdoors. Great Outdoors. Great Outdoors, Delirious. Yeah. I love Delirious. JFK. Is Delirious the one where he's the soap opera writer? Yep. Yeah. He's JFK. A, yeah. He, he, that's one of those ones... For him, that doesn't get enough credit because he's really good in JFK. He's not a huge part, but it, it's one of those things that, like, it's too bad that he didn't get more of a chance to explore his dramatic side like he did in that and film. He, only, he was 43 when he died. Yeah. Like, who knows where he would have been now? So, right? when you watch, like, when you're watching him back in those days, he never, he was kind of timeless. Like, in SCTV, when he was in his late twenties, he never really looked like he was in his twenties. And when yeah. he died in his in his forties, he, he never still really... kind of looked the same. Yeah, um, you know, and also like he did Ar- an episode of King of Kensington. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> um, well, and you've also got Armed and Dangerous, that movie, which is impossible to find now. Yeah, it's out of print everywhere, so that's like gold. So. Um, no, there's just so much good stuff came out of SCTV. Any particular favorite skits or episodes? Um, I I know one off the top of my head that my I love. absolute favorite um, was in the early days. It was Doctor Tongue's House of Pets. <laughs> oh yeah, it was before yeah. Doctor Tongue transitioned over into um, the three D horror movies. movies. So Doctor Tongue was just a character that they they had where um, it was almost like a show where. Uh, Harold Ramis played Swami, 
and they'd, mm. they'd come in and they'd show different animals like oh well this is and they brought the spitting cobra in and the cobra ended up biting swami and then dr tongue is like you spit at me i spit at you i remember storylines on that show more than individual sketches like oh, okay. the one where the russians hacked the that feed, is my favorite watching, episode of that th- show. you are watching three cp ones russian television just for the the as a kid, some of the sketches I didn't get completely, yeah. but thought they were funny. And then there was the other one where they, they, I think they were losing their license or something, and so they, they put on the CBC feed instead. Yeah. And so everything was a parody of CBC television of the 1970s, and it was hilarious. The, the um... The the I just love the Russian shows that they made for it. Like, what countries can fit into Mother Russia? <laughs> Thomas, like, it's a map of Mother Russia, and he like, what about the great state of Texas? Twonk, it is tiny compared. To- <laughs> well, and and also just. I think more importantly than the sketch is just the characters that came yeah. out of that. Yeah. Edith like, Prickly. Edith Prickly, Ed Grimley, Johnny LaRue. Um, Johnny LaRue. Bob and Doug. So yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I have more talent than this little finger than this little finger. <laughs> when, uh, and I've got Dave Thomas's book where he talked about a lot of the production with SCTV. Yeah. And John Candy was drunk out of his Come mind. Come on down to Texan Edna Boyle's House of no. Oregon. <laughs> Uh, was it uh, with every organ you get a free budgie? <laughs> Guy Caballero, uh, Floyd Roberts. What was the character that um, that Eugene Levy played with the slick back hair and the his buddy? Marty, oh, um, it was a buddy something, uh, wasn't it? Oh, he was like he was Johnny LaRue's sidekick yeah, on the talk show. Uh, Bittman, Bobby, Bittman. Bobby Bittman, Bobby Bittman, Bobby Bittman. No, Bobby. No, Bobby Bitten. Bobby Bitten. Uh, he was the Sammy Maudlin was the Sammy host of the show. show who is Johnny? Uh, uh, was it John Candy's character? Was the was the laugh man for Sammy Maudlin? That's yeah, and right. they usually get Bobby Bitten on as the guest. That's right. And they were vaguely Rat Packish. Yes. And, was, and then uh, Lola uh, Heatherton. Yeah, Lola Heatherton. Uh, there were just. I and think the back, that was what sticks out more. It's just the characters. The backup yeah. dancers that were never very good that Lola yeah. Heatherton always I, had. I always, like, it's such a thing that, like, I quote that show to this day or do sound effects like the 3D boop, boop. Yeah. I did that once to Jen, and she had no idea what I was talking about. She's never seen the show, which is part of the reason I want to own it. And there were the, um, there were the, um, the the sign offs just before the the station would sign off there would be the religious minute yeah the prayer for the day with there was different well and also the the the, um, the movie reviews he got blown up he yeah. got blown up real good. Really good and the the fishing show there wasn't there a fishing show that was uh, like celebrity it was like a takeoff on the on the Oh, oh, that was Red Fisher. Uh, oh, Red yeah, Fisher was, uh, John Candy was yeah. The, the the yeah. That was what introduced me to the Tubes. Yeah, which is the only thing I really know that band from. Is there one appearance on SCTV? Talk to you later. And not only that, it, like Levon Helm was in one of the episodes yeah. of that show, and John Mellencamp, it's, Floyd Robertson, and Earl Kemen. And Bear. Yeah. I'm just looking at the list. The Schmengies. 
and the the tiny island nation of uh, the tiny tiny nation of Togo that was always <laughs> having earthquakes and other natural yeah. disasters. Yeah. Tom, Tommy Shanks, Tommy Shanks, which tying it over to Ghostbusters, the um, the college in Ghostbusters twenty sixteen was called Tommy Shanks. Oh, huh. was it? Yeah, that's funny. The uh, there's something else that I was. Oh, um, the guy with the snake on his face who owned yeah. the porno <laughs> store. Yeah. Which he was called. The guy, the the guy with the snake on his face, yeah. But, uh, yeah, good ones. Um, one of the Canadians that always comes to my mind for whatever reason, I think it's because I saw a CBC documentary when I was a kid about, like, Canadians going to Hollywood or anything, is Lauren Green. Yep. Because, like, it, it, he was kind of the guy who started that wave that would continue with Shatner and um, those guys of that era because they they all came out of like the same radio college or something like uh, Lauren Green and like uh, there was a bunch of actors that were all there and none of them broke into radio but yet all g- ended up in Hollywood as actors instead. Well, and with him, his biggest success was on Bonanza and then yep. and Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica, Galactica, which but um, you know most most of our generation like he. What died in ninety or something like yeah. that? So pretty much by time he died, he was sort of out of. I know, it, and that's why it's weird why it comes up in my head. I, I, I like I said, it must be something I saw on TV really sticks it in there. Well, and, even just going through the list of notable Canadian celebrities or actors, um, when I was reviewing that today, and like Alan Thick. Yeah, you know. So, and I had the opportunity to meet him at London Comic Con uh, a couple of years ago. And when he said like that was his first Comic Con appearance, and then the next year he passed away. Yeah, and, and you know that. So he'd only ever done one Comic Con, and he was spectacular. Um, so I just directed a play uh, that was about Bobby Orr, and in, oh, okay. the, in this play, uh, there's reference to a record that Alan Thicke made of, of, of songs about Bobby Orr. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. He would. They are uh, not good. The songs are not <laughs> well, good. Not well, they're about then, Bobby Orr. But then he he had created some quite memorable. He did a bunch of like on on like TV. game shows and yeah. stuff, yeah. right? And, 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 and different strokes and facts of life. Yeah, because yeah. that's a that's that's one of those things that uh, it weirdly got a resurgence when his kid started being uh, a musician celebrity and like. We ever thought about acting? He's like, yeah, but dad was a musician as well as an actor. And they're like, oh, yeah, you did all of these. Yeah. He was a talk show host up here, too, before he moved to the States. Yeah. Alex Trebek's another one I always yeah. think, no. think of because I love Jeopardy. I don't know. That's a show that, uh, like, I know it won't, but I kind of feel that when he retires, that's a show that, should, like, a game show that should just end. Mm. Like, who else are they going to get to replace Trebek? You know, the, you could have said the same thing about Price is Right. True, yeah. And, but And surprisingly enough, Drew Carey's done a really good job taking over that show. So. And it's an easy paycheck, apparently. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they basically film that season within a month, and then he, he's done, and he gets, makes good money The only television show I've ever sat in a studio audience for was Price, Price is, is Right. Right. <laughs> oh, did you? Yes. Did you, have you watched that documentary about the, uh, it's called the, the Contestant That Knew Too Much? Yes. It's on Netflix? I, I've heard of that. Yeah. I watched it. It's pretty good. Do you remember the game show from the 70s that Alex Trebek hosted called Pitfall? No. No. So, 
The main quiz part of the game was pretty boring. They pulled the audience and the contestants had to guess what the audience But I'm but, feeling a butt but here. The bonus round was super cool. It was a bank of eight elevators. Okay? And there was like a bridge that went across through these elevators. Okay. And the contestants had to watch uh, for 30 seconds and lights would flash. And they had to pick out the ones that flashed more than once or only once okay and those two were the pitfall elevator so they could they could get these passes that would let them jump over and it sounds vaguely familiar they, they would have to they would have 90 seconds to cross the bridge and they would have to answer trivia questions for each each segment of this elevator bank and if they ended up in the elevator that was the pitfall elevator mm. and they didn't jump over it they would drop to the bottom and then they would have have to answer extra questions to uh, interesting yeah and it was a low budget canadian yeah. game show except for this cool bank of elevators did he do reach for the top too I believe he did do Reach for the Top. That, that well, got buried into yeah, SCTV, so I, I always assumed... It was the spoof on SCTV. Yeah. Was... Halfwits. Yeah. Um, and I, I I love me some wrestling. Mm-hmm. And Bret Hart's also like one of those entertainers that pops in my head. Not <laughs> in the traditional sense of actor or anything, but like, dude was awesome. Yep. <laughs> he he was really good in an era where there where there was some really good stuff and there was some really terrible stuff and he managed to make it all work. Watching older pay per views on the on the network lately and when you watch all that stuff from mm. ninety ninety four, ninety five and all the gobbledygooker bullshit. <laughs> like I mean, literally, I'm not making up a word. Yeah. Uh, but then you'd watch, you know, you'd get all the crap coming on with like, and I'm not saying like Duke Dumpster Drossy is crap, but all that gimmick stuff, and then you get an hour long match of of uh, Bulldog and Brett at SummerSlam yeah. in, at Wembley Stadium, and it ends up being like one of the greatest matches of all time. Yeah. So, no, he definitely And is. you read his book and it sounds like and Davy Boy was on crack and like there's all sorts of stuff that like great match as is when you find out about everything behind the scenes it's like it's amazing it went that well and nobody died. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he Yeah, Bret Hart is and at, at the time too in the 90s he was you know he was on Simpsons he was on yeah. Lonesome Dove like he was he was everywhere so back in a time when wrestling when you lived your gimmick yeah. you know he he was great he did you know and one of the things when you listen to the wrestling podcast now and they go back and say that you know Brett was at champion of the company and the company was not making oh yeah it was during it, down period it was in the down period but now if you look at the pay-per-view buys the ratings on raw back in those days Rob would love to have that. Oh, yeah. Well, the, there's a lot of things you look at, like TV ratings-wise, that would love to go back to yeah. before, uh, before streaming. Before cutting and streaming. But, but even uh, uh, on top of entertainers, um, you know, to go into the music realm, I was mentioning this today to a person, and they said, well, Tragically Hip, number one. And for me, I was never a big hip fan. So no, me neither. Hip, the hip doesn't come to mind. Like my first thought of like a top Canadian entertainment act would be Brian Adams. 
Mm. Yeah, like it, it's... We haven't even talked about music. Yeah, Brian Adams is one of those guys, too, that I, I think there there's acts every once in a while that you forget. Like, there was a period how huge they were. Yeah. He's one of those guys, like, like around reckless to waking up the neighbors like that period waking up the neighbors is huge waking up the neighbors 90 what was that 92 91 yeah somewhere around there that is i think the crown jewel that was his he he hasn't done anything that good since yeah that was his best album he ever did like i thought it was better than like cuts like a knife and and uh like to me that's the one album that just stood out as like even today, it's still almost every song in there is perfect. It's, it's just, featured in my book if I ever get it finished, because it's it's also one of those ones that you also f- figure out. Like he and Mutt Lang figured out a successful formula on that album that Mutt Lang has since reproduced after that. Like uh, there is a lot of sonic similarities between Waking Up the Neighbors and that. Uh oh, what's it called? The the second Shania Twain album, the first one that Mutt produced. Uh, what was it? Uh, come on over, come on, come over. on over. Yeah, yeah, like it's not that it, it's not like ripped off or anything, but it it there are very there's production values and sort of tonal things in that album that are very similar to Waking Up the Neighbors and and, Back in Black yeah. as well. Like um, when Mutt Lang produced the. I know people hate Nickelback, but I don't care. I like Nickelback. But when Mutt Lang produced the one Nickelback album, Dark Horse, that's... He produced that? Really? Yeah. 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 And that is my my first favorite. Well, uh, Silver Side Up has all the big hits and got Nickelback onto the mm. uh, people's radar. But uh, you know, Dark Horse, I think, was their strongest album yeah. for Nickelback. Uh, but even just going through music, like you've got... So many mountain like great Canadian talents in yeah. the industry. And Guess who? Leonard Cohen. Um, and a lot um, of them, it's weird. Canadian music's different talking about it than like other entertainment aspects. Like actors and stuff, a lot of them will go to the States mm-hmm. and be famous, right? Whereas there are a lot of Canadian bands that have made very, very good livings, but are Canadian bands. Mm-hmm. Tragically Hip is a yeah. prime example of... Yeah. Uh, they were big here. Um, they, they did some well. Colleges and something like the border states. They were on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and that was probably the the height of them trying to get over outside of Canada. And after that, they kind of gave up and just focused here. Yeah. But Australia too, for some reason, that they, they did very well. What it, it's, Austra- maybe it's, it's being like a, a colony party. thing. Yeah, the tea party is the other one. Big over in Australia. But but like the Sloan's like them, another band that I would think is just pretty much strictly pretty much Spirit well, of the West. Sloan's going to be playing at the Rolling Stones concert yeah. on the 29th, and they're not even on the main stage. No, they're no. on the on the XM side stage. Yeah, yeah. but like it, it like and these guys have made fairly healthy careers in Canadian music. It's oh, yeah. just it's yeah. it's weird how some of these bands. We uh, like it, and and I don't think it's completely flag waving either. It's like we like them because we like them, and yeah, they're Canadian, but that's not the reason we like them. Yeah. Colin James, but, Great Big C, yeah, Bare Naked Ladies was my fair, favorite. Band. Uh, see, a lot of these bands, especially the, and well, they're probably they're the all one bands are, from when we were in our high school developmental well, musical. Yeah, yeah. When when those bands could make money on albums in Canada. 
Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, but the bare naked ladies out of the list is beyond Brighton Adams has probably had the most successful outside of Canada career. Yeah. yeah, and it was when that happened that I kind of stopped liking their music. Yeah. Their early albums I love. Maybe maybe guess who too to guess who did really well, but I don't know what their album sales were and like Drake. outside of We can't forget about Drake. Yeah, I I I'm not a big fan, but no. he's done very well for himself. It's well, there's he, also bands like Metric and Stars and mm. you know, they sort of hit. Okay, so what surprises me surprised me a couple days ago. So Amoeba Music is a music store in the California area. I think they've got two or three stores. Okay. They do a YouTube show called What's in My Bag, where they have celebrities go and shop in their store and then come back and explain what albums they picked up and stuff like okay. that. And the other day, uh, Emily Haynes from Metric was was on it. And it completely surprised me because it was like, oh, they know who she is. <laughs> But it's, uh, it's, yeah, uh, we could do a whole episode of Canadian Mute. Maybe that's what we'll do next year for, for Canada Day. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll uh, put I'm in a couple of calls. I'm going to um, Mariposa again this summer. Yeah. And uh, their headliners this year are Tom Cochran and Red Rider. Nice. That'd be all right. Yeah. Um, so. I saw. Acoustic set or are they going to do a I don't know. It's, I don't know. Either way, it'd be kind yeah. of interesting. Last um, year, it was Buffy St. Marie and um, Alan Doyle. Buffy St. Marie is a great songwriter. I've never cared for her voice, per se. And so I, but the act that's playing at Mariposa this year that I kind of want to see, it's their farewell concert they're doing at Mariposa, is Sharon and Bram. Yeah. They started as Sharon Lewis and Bram at Mariposa 40 years ago. Yeah. And they're ending their career at Mariposa this summer. Ah, that's cool. I kind of want to see that. Yeah. Um, I can imagine 10,000 people singing Skinnamarinka Dinky Dink. They've been doing bar tours. Uh, like of college campuses and stuff like that for the last little while. That's like funny. York and like Queens and stuff like that. And Well, I mean, I had their album when I was a kid. And yeah. that's 40 years ago. So, they... Yeah, uh, uh, Jim Cuddy and uh, Bruce Coburn are also playing nearby here too uh, this summer. I don't think it's Mariposa. No, it's not Mariposa. I, w- I want to say it's even a little bit further north, but so uh, yeah, that, that's that is the Canadian content segment of the show. Well, I just thought of one last oh, Canadian of... entertainer oh, we didn't okay. touch on. And the Giant? No, this guy. Again, another one has had huge success and very little duds. Mike Myers. That's funny, because I was yeah. going to say Mike Myers, because it all Austin ties in Powers, to The Littlest Hobo. The Love Guru. Oh, why The Littlest Hobo? Because he, he was on The Littlest Hobo twice. Yeah. The Love Guru would probably be the biggest <laughs> example of something he did that failed I do horribly. love me some Austin but, Powers. Yeah, it's I'm the weird one who really likes three. I love three. I, I don't like mind three. one and two, but three I think is. I thought great. three was the funniest one. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, uh, well, Wayne's World one and two. Yeah. Yeah. I very so I much don't remember. That is a great film that people forget exists. I don't think I've seen it. What? I've seen parts of it. I don't think I've seen the whole thing. Mm. You couldn't go cry on your huge pillow. Look at the size of his head. Kentucky Fried Chicken, they put something in it that makes you crave it fortnightly. He's having a little bit of a mini renaissance right now, too, in terms of his career, just doing sort of... Oh, he's in Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, is he? Yeah. 
I haven't watched it yet. It's a very much a wink and a nod to Wayne's World in oh. it. It's kind of cheesy, but it works. Nobody will listen to a seven-minute-long operatic. Oh. <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to think. There's something else I saw that he was trying to get off the ground that actually sounded all right. I, his version of the gong show is done, though, right? I hope so. It was I, great. I, I think they it. replaced it with that new um, extreme miniature golf show. <laughs> oh, holy moly. <laughs> no, I, I really enjoyed I enjoyed his gong show because playing Tommy Maitland, how Mike Myers' name is not anywhere attached yeah. to the show. Mm. So I thought that was really interesting, how they created this whole backstory for... Where he just played, he was a character. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and uh, when Dana Carvey was on the one episode, and he says, "I want to welcome Dana Carvey, the star of Wayne's World." <laughs> so no, it was again. He's he's great. So you know, I'd love to see Austin Powers four. He's one of those guys that, other than Shrek, I'm kind of surprised hasn't done more voice work. Yeah, like in like like movies like Shrek, like that scale, yeah. like something for. Maybe it's because he worked for DreamWorks. He didn't do more Disney stuff. Like, well, and his stuff that he's done that didn't, that weren't successful, you forget about. Like, uh, I don't know. The Love Guru is. Oof. Yeah, but Love Guru um, still has some great, great bits in it. It does have one or two decent. My kids moments. still. My still. My kids still joke about a Quebec pizza. <laughs> Let's catch up on a pop tart. Um, you know, then you forget that he was in the Cat in the Hat movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I completely forgot about that. But yeah. I don't blame him so much for that. Yeah. That, that was during... So, if I'm recalling correctly, basically, uh, Dr. Seuss didn't license out his stuff for almost anything. We got the animated Grinch movie and a couple other animated films because he trusted Chuck Jones. And he didn't really trust anybody else to get his messages across properly. Then he died, and then we got that onslaught of early Seuss movies. Now, they've gotten better since in some ways, and some of them not so much. But there, it was like, because there was the the Jim Carrey Grinch, and then there was the Cat in the Hat, and then there was Horton Hears a Who, and then there was the Lorax. Like, they were like, bang, 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 bang. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he had unpaid taxes, and his wife needed the money. I don't know. But, uh. So that brings us to the end of this episode, mm-hmm. which brings us to Geek Picks. Anybody want to go first? I'll go first. Go. Oh. Sure. So I got a comic book this week, and it's another Ghostbuster crossover comic book. It's the first issue of the Ghostbusters and Transformer comic miniseries. Yeah, okay. And uh, the premise seems to be pretty good. Like it, it, it was good enough to make me like, okay, I get it. I understand where we're going here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it starts off with on Cybertron and the war between the Autobots and Decepticons. And the, the Autobots are fleeing Cybertron and the Decepticons have, the, have taken Cybertron and they're mm-hmm. getting ready to go chase after them. When all of a sudden, Gozer, the, you know, the Traveler, appears on Cybertron. And you get the whole like, kind of recreation of the end of the first Ghostbuster movie, but instead of the Ghostbusters standing in front of the doorway with these two, the dogs are robotic, and and Gozer is more of a robotic chick, uh, and you get Soundwave, Megatron, Starscream, and Shockwave in place of the Ghostbusters, and you know then kind of make a few cracks at her and stuff like this and she shoots off some power and then they start oh, we, maybe she's a little more powerful than we thought and 
So Megatron goes to talk to her and be like, hey, you know, this is my planet. And and he did the line, you know, choose the, the form of your destruction. And Megatron's like, what? And it's, oh, the, tr- the, the form has been chosen. And he's like, what? I didn't think of anything. Well, of course, Starscream thought of something. And he thought of, he's like, and they're like, what? what? Who? What? And he's like, well, I, I thought, what, what could destroy Cybertron? Well, of course, he thought of himself, giant, with the crown and like a necklace <laughs> of like the heads of his enemies. And so, Cyber, so Gozer destroys Cybertron and kills all the, the apparently destroys all the Decepticons. And the Autobots are out in space. And, yeah. So then, which they, Ghostbusters is it? The the current comic book, the current kind of comic version? book Ghostbusters. Okay. So it seems like this is still staying in the comic book continuity. It yeah. just keeps rolling. Uh, there's a well. There's the one that the the the, the transformer that transforms into Ecto One that they have a toy of now. Uh, I forget what his name is, but even they, for short, they keep calling him Eck, and he's like, it's not Eck, and he's like, he has like this whole title that you know, it's like it's like. Ek, you know, say, okay, that's where they're mm. getting this ecto from, and so Optimus Prime because if they detect Cybertronian, you know, detections on Earth, so the Optimus Prime sends him to go and look first, and so he lands on Earth and he happens to land or uh, show up where the Ghostbusters have just crashed Ecto One into a, like a sinkhole, and he's like, oh well, this form will do well, and he put, he parks himself off to the side, and then like. A ghost of Starscream shows up to try to talk to him, and the Ghostbusters see him, and then they capture Starscream in a trap. <laughs> he reveals himself, and that's like the end of the issue. So it looks like it's going to be a very how interesting... many issues is it running? Six. I think it's six. Usually they're about six issues. Cool. Next, so, yep. Ghostbusters uh, let's Transformers. Let's go with Kevin, and we'll I've go got with that. Two things I want to talk about quickly. Uh, last Friday, I went to the drive-in and I saw Toy Story Four. Yeah, uh, and I, it was good. But it, I'm I'm a big softy, and I uh, you're a big suck. I am, I am, I am first to admit it. And all the other Toy Story movies made me cry. This one did not. Um, okay, so that's the that's the scale that we're at. Yeah. So like Toy Story three really felt like it wrapped. It was up. a very good ending for that series. And Toy Story four feels like. Because we're not focusing on the same characters that we always did. This is very much... They could have called this the Woody movie. It's, yeah. it's about Woody and That's his... That's a different movie. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm totally sure somebody else is. has that. It really, it is. But um, uh, it, it's funny and it's sweet. And there's sort of a bittersweet ending to it. But I felt like the last movie wrapped up the, the cast yeah. storylines better. I kind of would like to see where they go with these characters from here on out, specifically Woody and um, uh, Bo Peep, but um, I'd give it about a six and a half out of ten, right? It's it's fine. And I saw it at the drive-in up in Gravenhurst where they have – they serve hot dogs and burgers and sausages that they cook on a regular barbecue right outside the sh- – it, it's a great place to see a movie. Nice. I like it. <laughs> But that's not your geek pick. I'm no, taking it. The uh, thing that I have been reading lately, uh, rereading to be more precise, is 52. 
the DC Comics. Okay. The DC Comics. Oh, the weekly. The, I love that yeah, series. It's such so good. a good series, and it reminds me how much I love the DC Universe, and specifically the DC Universe from around 2006. Yeah. It felt like it was firing on all cylinders back then, and now it doesn't feel as cohesive no. as it did. <laughs> that's when you have, that has a great Booster Gold story it, in it. It's got a great. You, you get introduced to Batwoman. Yes, and I'd forgotten about some of the storylines that are in it. Like the, Female question. The Animal Man, uh, Starfire, oh, and, yeah. um, and uh, what's Adam, Strange. Adam Strange storyline where they just met uh, Space Pope Lobo. Yep. And, uh, you know, this is the Pope of the, what, the three-eyed dolphin. Yeah, and then there's the Black Adam storyline with Isis and... Uh, um, Oh, and what's the the, the Osiris. boy Osiris? Yeah, yeah, I haven't got I haven't gotten quite that far yet. It's just and the and the the depressed elongated man who's trying. Uh, there was this cult that was trying to resurrect Connor Kent, and they they thought they would start by trying to resurrect Sue Dibney first. Ah, uh, yeah, because that that came off of Identity Identity Crisis. crisis. Right? So Identity Crisis Identity Infinite Crisis, crisis Fifty Two. Uh, yeah, it's just it's really fun, good comics that. Yeah, okay. uh, with great storytellers, good art that came up consistently on a weekly basis for an entire year. And uh, I just feel like right now DC doesn't know what they're doing with their comics line. Nothing feels cohesive. And um, I wish they'd go just forget that the new 52 ever happened. And well, that's what they've been slowly yeah. doing. And that's what but that's know. the problem. They're doing it too slowly and nothing feels right yet. So with that in mind, I forgot to bring this up in the news pack because we mentioned it offline. So you you currently do not buy monthly comics. I you read not. them through the library apps and yep. such. Is uh, Brian Michael Bendis on Legion of Superheroes? I am, Are you I am so tempted. Because to it won't be on your app for like, uh, no. like six months or something like that, right? I know. I am tempted. I Maybe I'll... Well, the with the miniseries, I I have a show idea that I meant to talk to you about that pitched to Ryan too that we'll talk about off air, but it might solve your problem that way a okay. little bit. Oh yes, that idea. Okay. So special guest Snowhawk cosplay Ed, what's your geek pick for this episode? Well, you can even have more than one since you're rarely on. I'm trying to think. Of, well, I already know what my geek pick is. I was trying to think if there's some other ones, but. Um, I think the one movie that came to theaters and disappeared very quickly as nobody's ever talked about was about the mean motherfucker Shaft. Uh, I didn't realize it had come out. It came it's, out Father's Day weekend. Yeah, it's a better release date for. A it's movie. still in theaters though, isn't it? Should be. I hope. Uh, I'll have to take I, I a look. I want to see it. I, I know. Only saw it two two weeks ago. So um, I'm a huge Shaft fan. I mm. loved. I loved Shaft before. Uh, stop! Laughing. There's a sound bite. Sorry, I'm a ten year old boy. How much do you say? love Shaft, Dad? <laughs> I love Shaft so Shaft. much. I love Shaft ever since I was a little boy. Um, oh, I I I loved Richard Roundtree's Shaft. Not getting any better. <laughs> Anyways, love, yeah, phrasing. I, I love that movie even before before Sam the Sam Jackson, Jackson version. Yeah, no. And when the Sam Jackson version came out, I loved it. The visuals were great. Um, I thought John Singleton did a great job with that movie, also tying it to the original. Yeah. 2019 Shaft, even better. Really? 
So 2019, so they the movie starts in 1989. So it starts off with with uh, Sam Jackson's version of Shaft. Okay. In a shootout, and you find out he has a baby. Okay. He has a kid. And the mom says, it's too dangerous to be around you. I'm taking John Shaft Jr., and I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. And it fast forwards to different points in JJ's life, so it shows him at like five years old, and, and Shaft is sending him like gold rings and all that kind of stuff. And then it will show. So it goes from eighty nine to like ninety five, and then it goes to ninety seven, and then it goes to ninety nine, and then it goes to two thousand. And they take clips from the two thousand movie. So they show where Shaft's like, I quit, and throws the throws his uh, his badge, his, yeah. his badge, yep. sticks into the wall. So that got a huge pop out of me because it had elements of that movie. Yeah. So they didn't, you know, they embrace it. That movie existed. Yep. Um, so what happens is, is John Shaft Jr. graduates from MIT and gets hired by the FBI as an analyst. And a friend of his is murdered. And it looks like it was a suicide. So they start investigating it and they find a, a big conspiracy of drugs and and uh, somebody who Shaft has been cha- chasing since 89. Oh, okay. So, so there's a whole tie-in. Nice. Now, when I saw the original trailer, they go to the original Shaft's place. Yeah. And then John Shaft Jr. calls him your grandpa. And that always, as soon as I saw that trailer, it never made sense. Because John, Richard Roundtree's version of the character in 2000 was Uncle Shaft. Mm. So, oh, was he? I thought he, oh, so he was his uncle? He was that? his uncle. So oh. when John Shaft Jr. calls him Grandpa, the trailer didn't make sense. The best way they could wrap it all up, all it took was one line. Because when they show up, Sam Jackson's version of Shaft says to Shaft the third says, well, at least me, me being your dad is better than my dad. He says, well, what do you mean? What was Grandpa like? And anyways, the door opens up, and it's Richard Roundtree. They go in, say, look, we got to do this. We're off. And he said, well, who's this? And it's like, this is my son. He's like, oh, so you finally have a son. He's like, yeah, well, it's a better father than you ever were. At least you didn't pull, I didn't pull some bullshit pretending to be my uncle. <laughs> That's all it took. Yeah, just, nice. So they just, there's a quick little correction. And it was so, I guess it, it was so well done because you already believe whatever, you know, because Sam Jackson can pull it off. Yeah. And just the fact saying, you know, some bullshit, you pretend to be my uncle. Because then it would make sense. Because you can already formulate in your mind all the reasons why Shaft 1 would pretend to be Shaft 2's. Mm. Uncle instead so, of dad. Just tone wise, uh, from the trailers, it kind of looks more like a Twenty One Jump Street than the original Shaft and even it the John has, Singleton it version. It has a little bit more comedy in it. Yeah, a um, little bit lighter tone, but which is okay. Don't it's, you know? it's still as restricted and dirty as as Seventy One. Okay, so it's. Oh. Yeah, like you get tons of nudity in it and all that kind of stuff. So well, if it's still on, maybe I'll go see it Tuesday. It was. Um, Tuesday. There's another movie that comes out Tuesday. Brent's not allowed to go watch it without oh, Jen, that's though. True. Got the crime of sorrow. What, what Jen doesn't know. Shaft. 
Uh, what Jen doesn't know good. won't hurt her. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, but if she finds out, it will hurt me. <laughs> no, I, I completely recommend Shaft. If, okay. if you like if you like those movies, yeah. because um, I love them. I love all the black exploitation films. Uh, one of my favorite things is when MGM came out with the Soul Cinema Collection back mm. in the 90s and when the DVDs were coming out. So I, I love all those movies. So um, I'm hoping they carry on. I... I doubt the movie will make enough money that they'll carry on with. The nah, movie. well, yeah, but the first, but the John Singleton one did okay. Yeah. It, didn't, it didn't do amazing numbers. It did okay, so maybe that's all it needs. And it and could get you know be one of those movies. It gets the fan base afterwards, right? The yeah. home release. It looks like if streaming. you want to see it, you better. We better end this now, and you should rush to a theater. Oh, why? It's not playing. The last anywhere? showing is tonight at ten oh five. Wow. Yeah. And it doesn't look like well, it's playing tomorrow. I imagine it'll probably come out on Blu-ray pretty soon. Yeah. So, but it's. Um, Okay, uh, I think it's. I didn't see the reboot of Superfly. Uh, oh, I had forgotten that it even yeah, came some out. Some of the other, like um, the the other one, uh, Proud Mary. It wasn't that great. Um, Taraji P. Hen. Hen- yeah, that was because that trailer for that movie is really good. Yeah, and Proud Mary. Movie, the trailer was amazing. all right. The it wasn't. Yeah, it yeah. was forgettable. But no, Shaft is definitely. Uh, I can't recommend it. Yeah, cool. Go get Shaft. <laughs> Here, before we so, get on to your geek pick, yeah. I've got a geek gift for Ed. Oh, okay. Because you're always so cool about looking for stuff when you're out in your travels. I saw this, and I got it for you. So. If it's the littlest hobo on TVD, I'm going <laughs> to laugh my ass off. <laughs> I wish. No. So is this like an unboxing on the... It's an, an audio unboxing. Visual jokes on an audio oh. podcast. Oh, yeah, I saw that they got those. They're actually, they're really cool looking cards too. I remember them when I was working at big or at uh, Triple Play. I have this series. I figured you may already have it, but it's like it's a brand new unopened box. You can have all the fun of opening the cards all over again. Because well, I am actually missing six cards. Oh well, well, maybe. Oh. In theory, you might get them out of that. It's a unopened box of the uh, what's the year on that? Nineteen ninety one. Uh, G.I. Joe collector cards. Yeah, so, yeah, 1991, so that's uh, basically before Battlecore came out, but uh, that was... So if you're wanting a visual, just think of the uh, the Deke series from the 90s. So, oh, cool. Oh, thank you very much. You're welcome. I saw that, and I was like, I gotta get that for Ed. So, uh, my geek picks, I, I'm going to go with one and a half. One is to reiterate um, my last geek pick from the last episode, the Viceland series, The Wrestlers. Uh, continues to be a fantastic show, especially they did one on, um, it's a kind of split episode on women in wrestling and uh, how it helped them overcome abuse. That is fantastic. One side follows a uh, woman wrestler named Maya Yim, who is currently in the WWE system in NXT. And uh, the other half of it follows the... Oh, what are they called? They're the... Oh. They're female wrestlers in Bolivia who wrestle in traditional... Bolivian costumes like big dresses with petticoats and stuff like that and they're they're in the process of forming their own women's run league and it is a fantastic episode and Damien Abraham and his crew just 
like just knocked it out of the park. The series have been really good on a whole, but this particular episode is one that I can say to like anybody, wrestling fan or not, you should watch this episode. So there's that. And secondly, and I'm kind of surprised I'm doing this because um, I I love me some Frank Miller, but kind of classic Frank Miller. Later years, Frank Miller's been uh, a little spotty and sometimes uh, scary in not the good ways. And he is reteamed with um, John Romita Jr. to do a DC Black Label series, Superman Year One, that the first issue, at any rate, is pretty good, but in a weird kind of way. Like, the art is fantastic. I didn't really like Ramita on Bendis' run on Superman. I think he stepped it up a couple notches on this. Um, the <coughs> dialogue for Clark's parents in this this thing is weirdly hokey and kind of dated, especially when... The characters aren't supposed to be. Like, it looks like it's set fairly modern. But weirdly, because they're Superman's parents, you kind of let it slide. Um, so, yeah, give it a go. It's only going to be three issues. It's uh, For the Ramita artwork alone, it's worth it. But beyond that, give it a go. I may reverse that decision come issue two when he's fighting the Taliban or something. Is Because... And the issue one ends with kind of a different take for the Superman story. Hmm. So, so I, I bought it. You haven't read it yet? I still haven't ah. had a chance to read it yet. Okay. But, uh, yeah. So that's it for this episode. Um, I'm imagining next episode is going to be almost Spider-Man, all Spider-Man. 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 Uh, Does whatever a spider can. And uh, oh, I'm lo- so looking forward to it. But, uh yeah, Kevin and I are probably going to go see it. At, this is a four thirty showing on Tuesday. We get off work at well, three thirty and four. So yeah, I won't. At the very least, I work till seven. Yeah. <laughs> There's a seven thirty um, showing. We could wait. Yep. So uh, yeah, but I'd get yelled at. I can I can wait four days. I'll go see Shaft. It's I'll not probably be playing. Be, remember, you just learned that it was no. not playing. Uh, there's a couple other movies that I've missed so far too that you I can go see uh, Men in Black. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet either. It didn't get great reviews. I was hoping to see that at the drive-in with you. Mm. What'd you think of it, Ed? I haven't seen Men in Black. Oh, see, I thought you. I thought you, no. I saw you seen it. Okay. Nope, I haven't seen Men in Black yet. I, I haven't seen John Wick three yet. I haven't seen Dark. Oh, Phoenix I'd go yet. see John Wick three again. Oh, you can wait on, on Dark Phoenix. Mm. But uh, that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for uh, listening. Thank you for coming on, Ed, and oh, filling in. That's it for this episode. Good night, folks. Good night, everybody. Set your phasers to sexy.